You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mitil Shah. Today, I'm super excited to introduce Pat Olmberg from ServiceMax about defining total addressable market or short form TAM. Pat, welcome to the show. Thank you, Misho. I'm happy to be here. Fantastic. Well, uh, Pat, just to get started with, can you introduce yourself to our guest, please? Sure. Um, so I'm the Vice President of Demand Marketing and Marketing Operations at ServiceMax. Um, I joined the company four years ago. We've had kind of a, we've had a, a wild ride over the, over the time period that I've been here. My team is, um, it, it's digital marketing, marketing operations, and field marketing here at ServiceMax. So we have a, we have a broad base of responsibility, but it's a, it's a fun job. Before ServiceMax, I worked for 5.9, which is cloud contact center software, uh, McAfee, which is information security software, and then EMC Documentum, which is uh, hardware and, and content management software. So I'm excited to be here. Thanks again for having me. Well, quite quite an exciting journey. Uh, so in general, we we you know we have had guests majorly from technology in the world. Like majority, you know, our guests have been from you know, tech companies. ServiceMax, I think it's a tech company in in my opinion, but you know, addressing a different problem. Maybe for our listeners who may or may not be aware of ServiceMax, can you tell us a little bit about what ServiceMax does? Sure. Yeah, ServiceMax is a, is the leading cloud uh, field service management software provider. And our mission is to help our customers keep the world running. So we work with companies all around the world to transform their service operations. And we help them achieve outcomes like increasing revenue from services, um, improving uptime of assets that they're either managing or, um, or servicing driving more efficiencies out of their service organizations and out of their technicians. And, and all of those things go toward improving the overall customer experience, your CSAT, your net promoter score, those types of things. Um, ServiceMax has an interesting history. We were founded over 12 years ago, private company. We were acquired in 2017 by GE uh, to be mm-hmm. a part of the product portfolio within GE Digital. And we were part of GE Digital for two years. And in 2019, last year in January, we were acquired by Silver Lake Partners Private Equity. So we've, uh, we've been through the kind of small scrappy phase. We've been through the um, being a part of a massive global organization phase. And now we're back to heavy growth mode, but uh, this time is a much more mature uh, organization. Wow, quite, quite, quite a journey, quite a journey. So when, the Comcast guy comes to my house to install whatever, you know, upgrade my, my internet line and he's carrying a device with him and doing something on it. That's you guys. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's people that go it's in the simplest form. It's, it's uh, providing the software that helps 
people that go around and fix things being more efficient, making yeah. sure that um, they're able to do their job effectively, that customers are able to get supported. First time fix rates are high. Um, and it's, it's, you know, not just your cable box, it's an MRI machine. It's mm. uh, a wind turbine. It's an oil refinery. It's, you know, <laughs> these major complex assets. It's pretty, pretty cool space to be in. Yeah, that's, that's pretty exciting. Right. So let's, let's talk about the topic at hand, right? Total addressable market. So in your space, which is so diverse, you know, I mean, pretty much I'm assuming any manufacturing company can be your customer. Uh, or anybody who has a field organization, you know, can be a customer. How do you calculate total addressable market? So um, we've we've calculated it differently over the years as our business has evolved. Um, we sell to companies that maintain high value assets or high value service contracts. So they could be either manufacturing them, as you mentioned, they could be an independent service provider. So it's a difficult, it, it's a really um, difficult to nail down addressable market. It's not as straightforward as just saying, you know, it's this set of companies or it's this number of technicians. So what we've done is we've come up with kind of a formula and the formula starts with looking at broad industries like industrial manufacturing mm -hmm. um, and 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 uh, material handling those types of things we narrow it down within that by sic codes we're looking at very very granular four digit sic codes which are universal universally applicable there's a lot of different industry codes that you could use but we've we've settled on those um, we map that resulting set of accounts against the countries where we have sales and, and support presence. And then we take into account data like employee and revenue of, of the organizations. And we have different ratios that we apply to that to get to back into the number of users. That's the addressable market is really the number of technicians that we can expect. Um, and then the last part of the TAM is really looking at more qualitative measures which I won't get into all of them, but it includes technographics. It includes some of the stated company initiatives that they have um, in their financial statements, things like that, that will tell us that either digital transformation or service transformation is a really significant and impactful initiative in their organization. And that's how we get to the town. Very cool. So if I, if I may, you know, recap it. So you look at SIC code and then you look at certain type of firmographics, revenue, employees, technographics, where you have sales and marketing presence and essentially apply some kind of, you know, some kind of heuristic value to it and come up with, you know, a number that essentially becomes your, your time. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Very cool. So in this, in this whole process, you know, if for you as it's such a diverse set of, uh, you know, diverse business, trying to identify new accounts or reshuffling accounts or <clears throat> adding or removing the accounts, you know, I'm assuming that uh, that's, that might be quite a, quite a bit of a process. It is. And we have a, we have a very essential uh, go-to-market approach. So, um, you know, there's the traditional demand funnel that starts with, suspects and it goes into customers. Um, we operate in more of an account model. So we look at the total addressable market, the, the target account list, and we move all the way through the funnel to accounts that are currently customers and have upsell or cross sell opportunities. 
Um, it's important because of that, that we identify the accounts and we import them into the CRM so that we're able to send key insights and alerts to the sales and support organization, even if we get anonymous traffic from the website or we see intent off the website. It's very important that we have the accounts in our CRM so that we're able to serve, uh, to serve those alerts to sales. Um, so, you know, there's two, there's two major ways that we're adding accounts um, and discovering accounts. The first one is really a watch list for the criteria that I was talking about before, the SIC code plus firmographic plus technographic. We have a watch list um, and whenever an account comes into those criteria and meets them, it will send an alert to our ops team who then imports the account and assigns it out into the CRM. And the second way is using intent data. Um, it takes a little bit more analysis when we do get flagged for an account that is showing an intent um, because it's not as specific of criteria as the SIC code firmographic technographic. So when we see an account that's out of CRM that is uh, showing intent, looking at keywords that are relevant to the field service management space or to ServiceMax specifically, um, we'll evaluate the account, make sure there are no duplicates, and then import it into the CRM and assign it out. Very interesting. And, and this reshuffle, like, is it like a quarterly exercise? Is it just based on the alerts? It's pretty real time, actually. We've tried wow. doing it on a quarterly basis, but we, you know, we figure that the, especially with intent, there's a very finite window of time when, when you should be addressing accounts that are, sh that are spiking in intent. Otherwise, the, the evaluations could be already underway and, and you've missed out, your, your competitors are involved and you're not. So we wanna make sure that we're getting it into the hands of the sales teams as fast as we can. Of course, territory planning, load balancing has become a much more um, delicate, complicated situation as a result of doing this real-time importing of accounts. Very interesting. Wow. I mean, I can imagine an organization of your size trying to do real time, you know, account selection. It's a, it's a quite a, quite a fiefdom. Yeah. So how, how does, I guess I, if I would not ask you this question, um, you know, would be not doing justice to it. How has COVID, you know, helped or shifted, you know, or, or, you know, maybe in many cases, um, you know, maybe hurt it, you know, this whole process. Mm -hmm. Well, the yeah, the pandemic has had, obviously, as we all know, far reaching effects on individuals as well as businesses. It's, um, it's, it's been a very difficult, hectic time for everybody, everybody involved and it, it has impacted um, a lot of the companies that we do business with It's impacted the way that we do business and the way that we think about things and make decisions. Um, you know, for, for our go to market teams, obviously, the ability that we have on the marketing side and even on the sales side to do at in the most obvious form physical events trade shows um one-to-one -one account networking events those types of things for the sales team even just getting in front doing a lunch with a with a client has uh, has become impossible um so we're pivoting and we're, we're pivoting as fast as as we can and we've figured out some really creative ways to still serve our market um, deliver that exceptional customer experience and and sell into new clients. Um, the the good news, I guess, the silver lining 
for for our company is that the businesses that, that we're kind of um, selling into because of the nature of their service business, a lot of them have actually been um, overwhelmed with with requests for business. So we, mm. you know, we sell into organizations that service dental offices and, and the machines that the x-ray machines and, you know, the different machines within a uh, dental office. And in order to reopen dental offices, um, a lot of those machines have to be made, have to be serviced before you can reopen. And so it's, it's just an influx of business and it's made it more difficult to get time on their calendars to meet with them and talk about their challenges because they're just so swamped with, with activity. Um, as far as the actual identification of the TAM and how it impacts those types of things, the signals that we're seeing from intent have been overwhelming after March because there are more people at home um, searching for these keywords and phrases and doing evaluations and kind of spending their time differently than they had before. The more difficult part, at least in the beginning had been mapping these new IP addresses, these new devices, these new locations to the organizations that we're selling into. That's been, that's been the very difficult part that, that, that I believe now we've kind of worked through the initial uh, difficulties of it. And now we're just kind of retuning the model to get used to this new normal. Very interesting. So I'm sure, you know, as, as we all were sent home without any plan, in, you know, because of COVID and nobody knew, nobody knows or, or still probably it's a little bit murky as to, you know, when things will open, when, what, what does the new normal kind of look like, right? So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure that you and the executive team are kind of thinking about post-COVID scenarios and how does that look like and how does the sales and marketing alignment, you know, looks like. Can you, uh, can you shed some light on that? Yeah. Um, honestly, the, it, like you said, there is going to be a new kind of a, a normal that we should expect. And thinking about things like trade shows and, and events that we sponsor or participate in from speaking, it just seems, it seems at least in, in the United States, it seems like it could be um, a ways away from, from us right now. We've had most of the, most of the conferences formally canceled that we participate in every year. Um, even even into early Q1, I would say maybe March timeframe, we've seen conferences either postponed or or um, or formally canceled. Uh, what we're doing on the marketing and sales side is really trying to think out of the box and trying to figure out what things can we do to create a great experience, to build rapport, to network with prospects and with customers. So things like direct mail, whether it's either physical mail or electronic um electronic direct mail i guess i would call it it's, you know doing a virtual lunch and learn set, having saying have a have a lunch on service max we'll we'll do a um a lunch we'll do a wine tasting that kind of a thing and we'll talk about the challenges that you're seeing today or you're, you're seeing in your industry um the for the sales teams the thing that i've noticed is that the marketing and sales organization at least at our company has really 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 become uh, aligned with with the sales organization and so we're doing um, a couple different orchestrated efforts that we've seen really solid results from the first one is uh, what we call the industry waves which is a sprint effort between marketing and sales teams and so we'll um, 
we'll pick an industry or a sub-industry. So, you know, laboratory device manufacturing or medical device manufacturing. We'll, we will create content, either case studies from customers or different industry research reports. We'll start with um, a marketing pre-effort. So we'll do a, an email out to this segment um, and then we'll do targeted advertising to this segment as well at the same time for a period of time, one or two weeks. And then we'll have the sales development reps responding to inquiries that come in from those two weeks and also prospecting from accounts that they've agreed on working with their account executive that they're teamed up with. And then the account executive will watch the insights, get the alerts, look at the intent, and then propose new accounts to prospect into. And it's kind of a, it's, it's a really good way of um, kind of uh, prioritizing your week as far as which accounts that you'll be prospecting into. So this has been a really uh, good finding that we've had and that we're going to continue post-COVID. I think there's still um, a great place for virtual events, which has really cropped up over the last five months. Um, you know, we, we kind of got away from doing those types of things, get, getting used to doing physical events and, and things like that. But there's definitely a place for virtual um, for virtual events, a couple hours over the span of one or two days, you can do a networking event, you can have breakout sessions, and you can still meet one to one. And the great thing is, you're not you're not as physically geographically bound as you are with an event where there's travel and there's overhead and there's all those things, you can stand these things up pretty quickly and do them at scale. So we've actually had some great results from virtual events, we plan on continuing those post COVID as well. Very interesting. So if I, if I can summarize, so you have a, you're experimenting with the vertical approach. You pick a vertical, come up with a set of accounts, you know, RDRs, your SDRs, essentially focus on them. And then based on the results, AEs and, the, you know, would give them new accounts based on the intent and, and whatever the market is talking about and reshuffle that and you experiment with them on a, on a weekly basis. Exactly. And we have, so we have sprints that last about four weeks with the two weeks of marketing and the two weeks of SDR, AE, um, prospecting and proactive outreach. Then we, then we move on to the next um, industry wave and we do this kind of staggered throughout the year. But the good thing about this, this effort is that even if you're not in a wave, currently in the sprint, but you get, you know, a new lead coming in from a laboratory, uh, a med device manufacturer, or a laboratory equipment manufacturer. Um, you can use this content, this um, sales development rep sequence with phone calls and emails and, and video voicemails. You can use the case studies. You can use the same effort that you did during the sprint at any point during the year. So we've built up this really great catalog of content and messaging that we can just repurpose throughout the year. Interesting. So is, is there a new sprint every month, like with the new vertical or you do we, the sprint like once, I don't know, three, four times a year. So we've, we've done four at this point, we've done four verticals at this point and we've, we've moved through them from March to now. So it is about every month and a half, every month to month and a half, we do one and then we'll be going back and starting with the first sprint again, and we'll be doing the next phase of those. We will continue to build out um, more specific either use cases within a vertical or we'll break down the vertical into more specific sub segments 
going forward, probably in the Q3, Q4 timeframe. Interesting. So after you pick a vertical, you work on it for a month, month and a half, you move on to the next vertical, something happens with that one vertical you were working with, uh, you know, or just moving to the next vertical from there on? Yeah, there, every, every vertical, whether you're involved in the sprint or not, there is a nurture track that goes along with it. So we have a biweekly stream of emails. We also have um, pretty, pretty well, pretty well covered set of digital um, experiences as far as personalization on the website, advertising campaigns on LinkedIn, display networking. So you, you as a med device manufacturer, you're always eligible for those types of things. It's when you're in the sprint, when you when you're part of a segment that's in the sprint. You'll see the advertising. You'll see these things because it's at a higher tier of spend. We really right. ramp it up for that sprint period. That is that is that is exciting. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. Virtual events. All the guests that I've spoken with, you know, virtual events have gone from non-existent to pretty much hundred percent right now. It's virtual events, and in many of the guests I was talking with. Uh, they're actually seeing better results with virtual events, if not the same results, with 10, 20% spent, you know, instead of physical events. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think virtual events are definitely here to stay. Yeah. If you run them, if, if you run the events properly and you have um, some great content and some great opportunities to have those one to one or one to few meetings. The, the experience is, is well worth anybody's time and, and, and budget dollars to participate in. Fantastic. Well, uh, I guess, you know, last question is we're running out of time here. If somebody's thinking about TAM, if they're thinking about, you know, building a TAM or getting started with the TAM, any kind of advice, anything they can, they can think about, or even if I'm doing TAM today, you know, any kind of advice or lessons that you've learned that uh, I should be thinking about? Don't do it in a vacuum. Um, you know, we've, we've, like I said, we've done it several times over over the history of ServiceMax since I've been here. We have run uh, target addressable market exercises where it's been run fully out of marketing, and we present the the, the final results um, to the to the rest of the go to market organization. And sometimes sometimes it works, sometimes it it doesn't. I think. We've had a lot more success this year when we had a cross-functional team with sales operations, product management, marketing, product marketing. Um, and we have vetted the results as we go through it with the leadership team and with people that are on the sales organization that have been here, that have seen and interacted with clients that um, that are similar to the, the, to the accounts that we're pulling into the TAM. We wanna make sure that they are in agreement and have we have full buy-in on the accounts that are going to be part of the addressable market going forward. So I'd say the biggest the biggest learning that we've had is is make it a committee type of an exercise mm. and solicit feedback as you go. Don't show the final result. Show the progress as you do it and and incorporate feedback as you go. Fantastic. Well, Pat, with that, thank you so much for being part of our show. Thanks for you know this invaluable advice. I'm sure our listeners would really enjoy that. So thanks again. I really enjoyed having you on the podcast. So thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. 
Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.